the big things go home. You know, you got to, you can get another job. You can't get another family. Hey everybody, it's Todd Dills here coming to you with this Overdrive Radio edition for June 16th, 2023 of the podcast feed. We heard at the top was Jason Callen speaking to the absolute necessity of respecting the needs for work-life balance for your personal sanity and for the success of your business. That balance can be particularly elusive for independent owner-operators. As Silver Creek Transportation owner Callen well knows, he spent much of his early career in those shoes with just a single truck himself. In some ways, Balance might elude those of you who fit that bill the most. In today's podcast, we'll walk through a variety of strategies to achieve it with the goal of healthy success. The podcast features the bulk of a late May held webcast presentation and discussion overdrive hosted with Cowan, our big 2021 small fleet champ winner, and Adam Wingfield, who's the head of the Innovative Logistics Group Consultancy, also a past independent owner-operator himself. Work-life balance isn't all about home time and other personal life concerns, though. In part of the Q&A at the end of the webinar, sponsored by the Best Pass Company for Toll Collections Management and 2290 Tax Solutions, among other services, Wingfield responded to a question about how to cope with the stress a down market like the present puts on everyone, the pressure to run. Direct that stress toward the right spot, he advised. And I don't care what protests that you want to be involved in, none of that's going to change anything right now. But one thing that you can protest is you can protest how you run in your business. You can protest being that operator over your business. You can protest your day-to-day policies and your processes to ensure you're doing the right things that can help move your business forward. Small fleet owner Cowan, throughout, offers plenty of perspective on ways to build business with driver employees and owner-operator contractors in mind. He invoked the difficulties so many have attracting younger folks willing to stay in trucking as drivers. Wow, the guys who pay the most need drivers, the guys that are paying the least need drivers, and the guys in the middle need drivers. So maybe this is not a money thing. Getting drivers home more often and or on regular timetables is certainly part of his mission as Silver Creek Transportation owner. Yet that's certainly not all there is to it. Here's my introduction of Wingfield and Cowan both from the webcast. And on the other side of a break from Overdrive Radio sponsor, Howes, we'll jump right in with Wingfield's story. An idea is for something that, in trucking, he says, has to be actively built by every owner. Work-life balance is most definitely not fundamentally intrinsic to the industry. That's sure. Uh, a little later in the presentation, we'll hear from Overdrive's 2021 Small Fleet Champ competition winner, Jason Cowan. So, Callan's the founder of Silver Creek Transportation uh, based in Henderson, Kentucky. And so it's a fleet that grew out of his purchase of Bob Clark Trucking back in the early 1990s. He grew the business slowly through its first couple of decades and then began executing a plan to scale further beginning in 2018 uh, when the fleet was just at nine trucks. And just five years later, Silver Creek has now passed 30 power units with a diverse customer base pulling liquid and dry bulk tanks flatbeds, anhydrous ammonia, dry vans, more. We hear a lot from Callan about the systems he's put in place with the goal of, to help operators working with him to fundamentally improve their life experience. But first, let's bring in uh, Adam Wingfield. Uh, Adam, Adam's the founder and CEO of Innovative Logistics Group out of Charlotte, North Carolina. Uh, he specializes in solutions and services to carriers of all sizes, owner operators, independent dispatchers, among others. Adam developed a love for trucks from a young age, and his truck driver uncle inspired him to pursue a career in trucking himself. 
Through the years, as we'll hear, he's worked as an owner-operator leased on, then with authority, and growing a small fleet before founding Innovative Logistics Group. As he goes through his uh, first person... Overdrive Radio Podcast subscribers should note that a full, unedited video version of this podcast features the original May webcast with all of its slides on our YouTube and Facebook playlists for Overdrive Radio. Those video versions will be available starting Monday, June 19th, when the podcast goes live on the world-famous overdriveonline.com. Here we go. Every diesel needs to defend against clogged injectors, low lubricity, and slipping fuel economy. The best defense is the best defender. House Diesel Defender with Advanced IDX4 Detergent. Get a deeper clean, maximum lubricity, and boosted fuel economy. Guaranteed. House Diesel Defender. Get optimal performance. House for every diesel. Find more information about Defender at H-O-W-E-S, houseproducts.com. Here's Innovative Logistics Group founder Adam Wingfield. Longtime listeners may recognize some of his story as he told it from the Matt stage this past spring. We featured that in an episode called The Spot Market is Not Where You Need to Live on Building Business with Authority. Todd gave you a little bit of a backstory to who I am and what my journey looked like, which is very different from what the journey of an independent or an owner operator uh, would do look like today. However, it's very similar in a lot of different right ways. One of the words that Todd just used that I thought was such such transparency there was elusive when he described work-life balance. When we think about trucking, trucking as an industry and we think about the truck driver itself, I remember when I first began as a independent driver, I remember uh, my actual coach at that time, who was my driver trainer, I looked at him as my coach, who was my driver trainer, told me, he said, hey, Adam, I want you to think about this. Home time is one of the things that's gonna be elusive to you. So you've got to be prepared to spend more time on the road than you do at home. And then he subsequently said, well, to be more honest with you, you're going to visit home and you're going to live on the road. And that kind of hit me kind of hard because I was a young kid coming out of coming out of high school, really didn't understand what, what being away from home would look like until I got out there. When I first started, I started with, as a company driver. I was working for a mega carrier. And at the time I was making 23 and a half cents a mile. When we think about driver pay and we think about all that good stuff back then, uh, when I started, we had the eight hour breaks versus 10. It was a lot of things that were a lot, lot different. But that initial experience uh, as a company driver really opened my eyes up to a lot of things when it came to having control of my own time and having control of my, my work-life balance. I moved on, I progressed quickly at, into lease ownership at the age of 23. And the reason why I wanted to do that is because I wanted to have a little bit more control over that work-life balance. What I found was almost the opposite because at that time when I shifted into that of an owner operator, I didn't have that fail safe to fall back on at a company driver would. Every single bit of responsibility was my own. In order to make sure that I was able to keep the truck note going and able to keep the wheels turning and being able to keep the lights on at home, I had to make sure I kept that truck running. So it's very, very challenging for me. The balance that I sought as, a, as an independent was really one of those things, almost like a mirage or a pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. The trucking industry as a whole, and when it comes to deregulation back in the 1980s and what that did to the trucking industry, it really didn't even provide us with a, an oversight of what to truly expect as a truck driver. Now, I love trucking. Trucking was always in my blood. I always loved the smell of diesel fuel. You know, there's nothing like coming out of a, 
uh, coming out of your bunk and waking up, stepping out of your truck and smelling a good old smell of diesel at a TA truck stop or something like that in a, in, on, a, on a Tuesday morning. But realistically, when, when you come back and look to it, one of the main reasons why I got into the trucking industry was number one was my love for, for trucks. But number two, most importantly, was a personal story. It helped me get out of depression. Uh, when I got into behind the wheel of a truck, you know, it's just you and the road. You know, it's just you, the road, and 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 some of the things that come with it that are not so good, and some of the things that come with it were good. So then I really, really decided that as I progressed through as an independent, I realized that when I was leased onto a carrier, I realized at that point that maybe I can change and I can challenge that that ideology by getting my own authority as I continue to chase that independency. Being an owner operator and being leased to another company, I found out very quickly, I still have some of those same ties as responsibility ties into a company driver. I just had the responsibility of owning a truck. So I guess I said, hey, you know what, let's self, let's go ahead and chase a different different level of independency. And I went out and got my own authority at that time. I, as I continue to challenge myself to really, really seek and seek out what, what that looks like for me as, as, as work-life balance came to uh, I decided to say, hey, you know what? Maybe I need to stop chasing load boards. Let me find some direct freight to provide me with a little bit more consistency and stability. Some of the things that I, I dealt with, you know, both of my children when they were born, they were, you know, they were father, you know, they were ch children to that of a truck driver. So you got to imagine on top of that, I had two girls. And the thing I can tell you about being a girl dad, it's a little different. You know, you got dance recitals, you got all the cute stuff that uh, that I unfortunately wasn't able to be a part of. And one of the things that really, really hit home for me is that I'll never forget, I had a load and my, my youngest daughter, right before she was born, I had a load that had me out in the middle of Missouri. And so hope, so happened, I had a load of singles coming back into the East Coast that was delivering out in Eastern North Carolina. The crazy thing about it is, is that as I was coming back, I was probably about two hours away from home when I got the call that, 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 that she was uh, about to be here. That really reshook really me to the core because once I delivered that, once I got back to the, got to the hospital, she was born. I called my my dispatcher at a time, and even though he said, "Hey, congratulations," you know, the next phrase was, "Hey, by the way, what time are you going to get those shingles delivered on Monday morning?" That's when I knew that that work life balance was one of those things that continuously were were things that, in my nature, that that were were were, were challenging for me. So what I decided to do from my own control perspective is really focus on the word independency. And I tell independents, I tell owner operators this all the time, especially ones that are looking to take control of their own circumstances. You got to get your own customers. And one of the things that I hear, and, and, and we hear it a lot throughout the industry, uh, and, and, I, and to me, it's propaganda-ish, is that a single owner operator or a single truck fleet owner or a two truck fleet owner can't go out there and get direct freight. That's not true. And the very first thing I did was I got on the phone and I start calling farmers in my area on a Sunday. And so happened the third telephone number that I talked to was the, was the customer that provided me with the most ability that I ever had. And I was at, at that point, that was when I had just one or two trucks at that moment, but I was able to scale using that, that particular, uh, particular strategy. And as I continue to evolve and I continue to grow, I never changed what I did. I always went out and I was making phone calls. So even during the winter time, when things slowed down on the farm, I had a dedicated contract with with a a, a Christmas tree manufacturer. Well, I don't want to say manufacturer because you can't manufacture Christmas trees, but they were actually shipper of a tree farm, and that kept us busy through that time. In order so that way during the springtime we were ready to rock and roll when 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 things picked back up again. But you got to pursue direct contracts with shippers that load directly out of your area. I always call it the green mile. 
the green mile is if you look at your, your address or wherever that truck is sitting, I don't care where you set that yellow and red valve, wherever you pull that yellow and red valve out and say, hey, this is where I'm going to lay my head. You need to do a zip code search of that area. You need to do a zip code search and search manufacturers, distributors and shippers. It'll give you a listing of all of those that are in that particular zone. And one of the things I challenge the folks that are on this call and I challenge those folks on this on this webinar is that when you pull that listing out, be honest with yourself, do all of those people that showed up on that listing, do they know who you are and do they know what you do? Have you established a relationship with them? Because if not, then you're leaving some opportunities out there on the table. You want to make sure you're establishing those relationships with brokers as well to get you back to the house. There's a lot of times when you do dedicated freight, you're only going to be a one way. You know, there's times you'll have a have a two way situation, but dedicated freight is going to go one way. Well, that's an opportunity for you to build that relationship with a broker to get you on your back lane back in that area. And everybody wants to go out and, and, and bash the brokers. But I can tell you what, there's bad in every single level of this industry. There's also good at every single level of this industry. The people that are representing titles are still at the end of the day people. Just like you are an owner, operator, independent, you're a person. Just like you're a driver, you're a person. Just like it's a broker or a shipper, those are people. And one of the things that a lot of folks fail to realize is that people skills are very, very important. One of the things that as an owner, operator, and I can tell you transparently and for anybody else that was owner, operator or a driver, being out there on a loan, out there on the road all the time, 70 hours a week behind a wheel, that takes a lot of your interpersonal skills and puts it to the back burner. So we don't have those, those practice moments where we're in there having conversations, engaging with people. So a lot of times our people skills are not where they need to be. And when we don't have those people skills in place where they need to be, it's very, very difficult for them to be able to go out and have those conversations. And then number two, we're apprehensive to have those conversations because in the truck stops, we had those folks saying, oh, yeah, no, nah, you can't get it. It won't go that way. It doesn't work that way. Well, what I tell you this is that don't be most people. Because if you listen to what most people are saying, then you become most people. And if most people can't get direct freight, then you become the most people that can't get direct freight. The thing when you establish those relationships, this industry is relationship based. If I ever looked in any other industry that I've ever come in contact with, whether it be retail or whether it be food service, it doesn't compare to the relationships that trucking hinges off of. I can't tell you how many times that we've gotten and we coached somebody to really speak about being on the relationship side. And once they got out of their own way and got out of their own internal fears of going out there and having conversations, they go out and they get their own direct freight. I had a customer just two weeks ago that hasn't been putting off that conversation in his green mile for a year. He made one phone call. And obviously there is exceptions to every rule, but he had made one phone call and he sent me a text a week ago, say, hey, Adam, I need some trailers as a resource because I just landed my first direct shipper. These are the things that are the result of that. So more frequent home time, because at that point, you can reject the, the, the lanes that, that, that won't put you in a position that you want to. And then you can also have some planning and predictability to where you can actually have that, that, that frequent home time and be able to have better family and community connection. And one of the things about the community side is, is as you, and I'm from a small town, and I know that small towns, there may not be the same resource. You may have to go out, you may have to deadhead a little bit, you may have to have to be a little bit more creative. But the result of all of that is really having that community connection as, hey, you know what? I know a guy that knows a guy that has a truck that might need a new business. That's why it's so important for you to own your backyard. And here's the thing. Now, all of a sudden, 
we look at our, where we're at right now, we look at yeah. what we call a freight recession, we're staring down a freight recession. And these are usually the times that owner operators and small fleets start to really want to get out of their comfort zone because they know they can't rely on the spot market. But it's just like when you have a fleet and one of the things that you're going to hear uh, from, from, from Jason, who, who, who also has a fleet, is that one of the best times to recruit a driver is when you don't need one. And it's just, just like the best time to look for freight is when you don't need it. It gives you the opportunity to be able to source other opportunities, really to create different lanes and, and, and make sure that you're involved in it. One of the things that I, I recommend is get the family that when it comes to hometown, get your family involved, right? Have them doing the Google searches, have them get, getting you contact information. And even if you feel as comfortable, have them as the ones that make a couple of phone calls just to, just to break the ice. That first phone call that you have when you're reaching out to a shipper is not gonna be the home run. You don't ask a woman to marry you on the first date. Well, some of you may do, but that's not the whole plan of the action. But the same thing when you're going in the shippers, the first thing you want to do is I just want to introduce myself and let you know a little bit about me. I want to get an opportunity where I can sit down and I can talk to you on the side at a time that might not be as busy, but I just I just want to put a name to the face. This is what I do. I'm in the area. I wanted to get an opportunity to meet you and I would love to have an opportunity to see if we can do business together. Then one of the things that I found, which is really, really important, is that those times, especially when the market is the way it is, you're going to spend a lot more time on the road than you want to. This is the time of the, your business that as a business owner, as a CEO, you're going to make decisions that you like. And it's going to be decisions that you're going to have to make that you don't like. You're going to have to focus on the needs so that way you can focus on the wants at a later time. Your needs is to keep these wheels turning and keep making money. One of the things that I, I, I wish that I was better at was adopting a rider and keeping a rider in the truck. Because one time when they bring a rider in a truck, whether it's the spouse, whether it's uh, the kids, whether it's a close friend, it allows them to get the opportunity to see things from the windshield, see what it's like. I can tell you folks that are non-drivers don't know what it really, really feels like to be out there. I always thought about the, it was a, it was back in the, you know, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, I remember it was this, this, this huge thing on Sports Center where it was like, oh, race car drivers are not athletes. Well, until I got behind the wheel of a race car and realized what it felt like, it really changed my perspective on what it was like to be actual race car driver. It's the same thing as a truck driver. And if you've ever been behind the wheel of a truck, going down a highway, just, just going down a hundred miles, you know, depending on the terrain, depending on the load that you're hauling, it does a, it does some, some 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 work to that body, and you got to imagine doing that every single day for 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 six consecutive days. I just recommend that just just putting that that rider policy on there, as an owner operator and as an independent fleet owner. Even if you don't have the insurance under the policy that you currently have, seek alternative insurance so that way you can put somebody into the truck. And then most importantly, one of the things that I wish that I had back then when I first started was technology. You know, back then, honestly, I didn't have a, a cell phone until about six months into when I was doing my doing my doing my thing. When I first started, it was all about pay phones and pay banks. And when you pay phone banks, when you go to a truck stop, you know, you got to sit there and you got to kind of wait until someone else is done and get out on the phone. That was the only contact that you had. There were no text messages like, hey, W.I.D. or HRU, there was none of that stuff back then. Now things have advanced to where they have that. And one thing that some folks are really, really apprehensive to, they're apprehensive to adapting technology. But in some cases, you've got to use technology for what it is. And in using that technology for what it is, it'll help you get there. Man, if I had this back in the day, 
where I was able to do FaceTime. I can't tell you how many loads that I would have FaceTimed on. I can't tell you how many scenic overviews that I stopped on that I could just do a FaceTime from. And it really, really helps because when I think about mental health, there's two different health steps you really got to focus on as an independent owner operator, as a driver owner operator, and even as a fleet owner itself. Because as a fleet owner, you know, obviously you're not going to be the one that's dealing with these type of things, but you got to be able to provide the support when those folks need it. And when I think about the technology that we have now, that you actually do FaceTime, and I think about back then that I didn't have that, man, I wish I had that. Making sure that you use that because the thing is, is that mental health, you got to just imagine it's lonely out there, very lonely. Yeah, very few people to talk to. You know, I mean, I, I, I was when I was when I was operating, the only people that we could talk to was on the CB radio. Well, things kind of advanced now, and those folks that were on the CB radio, like ninety percent of them, you didn't want to talk to anyway. Things are a lot more advanced now and things are a lot more friendly to you to be able to do the things that are necessary. Now, I don't recommend using technology while you're driving down the highway. No texting and driving, no FaceTiming and driving. I want you to focus on the road and I want you to be safe. But during the times that you're taking those breaks and during the time when you're sitting down and having dinner, when you're having those 34 hour resets, one of the things that I, I, I tell all of my fleet owners is that make sure that when you do your planning, your 34 hour research, you do just that, you plan it. Don't just end up somewhere. And if you do, make sure that you have some alternatives and some options. Get away from the truck stop, y'all. Get away from the truck, period. It's good for yourself to give yourself a little break. Give yourself a chance to recharge and regroup and be able to go back and sit behind the wheel of that truck. Because the thing about it is, is that I've been in situations where a little frustrated, you know, whether you're having frustration from a shipper, whether you got on the phone with a broken got frustrated, and it immediately impacts the way that you drive. Right. So when I think about that and I'm not an aggressive driver, but at that point, it changes your own perception of the motor in public. So you got to be careful with that. You got to make sure that you're, you're achieving that that same type of tone when you're moving through. So some key takeaways that I just wanted to give in this, in this, in this brief discussion is number one, first and foremost, you got to be make sure that you take care of your mental health just as much as physical. You know, one of the things is, is that when you think about success as a whole, and you think about the folks that you're around. Typically, as a person, you mimic the five people that you're around the most. You mimic the five things that you listen to the most. And you mimic the five behaviors that you've been involved in the most. And when you think about how important that is in mental health, and we think about mental health, we don't, back then, we didn't talk about mental health. Yeah, no, that wasn't even part of the conversation. That wasn't part of the training. Nobody would tell you that, man, you would be extremely, extremely homesick, and this is how you're going to have to handle it. Make sure you take care of that. Also, from a physical standpoint, I, I'll never forget, man, I, I had a I was at a truck stop down in Florida. And it was probably like 10, 30, 11 o'clock at night. I went to a Flying J and I ordered the biggest breakfast I possibly could order. And I, I mean, I'm talking about big, big. And I went back into the bunk and I went to sleep and I felt like trash the next morning when it was time to run because I was so heavy at that point. The thing about that is, is that you got to take care of your physical being as well. They're not really good alternatives out there. When you go to a truck stop and you go to, and I don't, and I don't want to call them off because you all know them, but think about the restaurants they have associated with these, these particular truck stops. The great thing about it now, where it wasn't back then when I was driving, the Walmarts didn't have the Olive Gardens and the nice restaurants that were outside where you had enough room to pull a truck in, go get you a nice little dinner and be able to pull out and be, have access to, to major roads. Use those as your opportunity to go because honestly, if you spend the same, you're spending, spending the same money as at an Olive Garden or at a Red Lobster, as you would at some of those restaurants that are at truck stops. Make sure you stay connected with home using that technology. You know, the technology is important. You know, whether you're playing TikToks, doing TikTok dances with your, your, your four-year-old, 
all that stuff bridges that gap and keeps you connected. I didn't have that when I was growing up. And unfortunately, my two children, uh, one of them's grown at this grown now. I'm kept playing catch up. You know, I'm playing catch up to all of the things that I missed out on. I'm playing catch up to all of the recitals. And even though I won't be able to get those things back, I'm doing the things on the front side now that I wish I had had done in the back side. Be careful with the food that you put in your mind. And what I mean that is that I we've all seen the professional drivers only little sections that they have in a restaurants. Back then they allowed smoking at that point. So you go in there, it's like a, a puddle of smoke when you walk into them and everybody is negative Nancy at that point. Just be, be, be honest. The trucking industry is $875.7 billion industry as of 2021. There's money to be made within the industry and it is a thriving industry. Don't let anybody else think you make you think otherwise. Are there ups and downs with it? Just with anything else, of course. But you direct that path too with your attitude. Your attitude, not your your attitude plus your aptitude will de determine your altitude. And when it's time to go home, guys and ladies, don't put a dollar sign on it. And there's no load that is is more important than you know those those engagements that are really really important at home. There's certain things that you can't get back. And sometimes just showing up for a football practice instead of taking that five dollar mile load, we work wonders for for your children. So when you think about the overall work-life balance and you think about the industry as a whole, it is not designed for work-life balance. You have to create that. You have to take the action steps to do that. It's an action that is required because the industry itself is not designed for that. Thank you for, for, for the time on these few, uh, few minutes that I had the opportunity to share a little bit about my experience. I'm gonna pass the microphone to my partner, Jason, who's gonna bring it on home for us. You know, one of the things when I began to be uh, thinking about taking our operation from an owner operator mindset to a company mindset was one of the things that I think that we ought to do is we begin with where we want to end up in mind. So the things that we do today, how does that affect tomorrow? And some of the decisions that I've made as we have grown Silver Creek is not necessarily what would I do with at two, three, four, five trucks, but what systems do we want in place when we have 30, 50, or 100 trucks? Uh, it's always really been inside of our culture to uh, to say, you know, what when we get there, we want to be ready for that opportunity. Because I understand as well as many of you do that if your opportunity is there and you're prepared, then you can take advantage of it. But if it's not, then it's that's there. So. The driver issue has always been one of the things that has been at the forefront of our operation because without a driver, we don't have a truck that can go down the road. So I want to begin to look and as we, you know, you hear that term thrown around so much, we're a family company or a family culture, but what does that really mean? And what does, you know, what does the new generation of driver want? And one of the greatest things that I think that we can find is just to listen to what they're telling you and listen to what their actions are as to what they want. And I think some of the things that's different with our younger generation of drivers that are coming along now is the need that we all have for a driver. Uh, as I was coming up through the ranks and began as a company driver, and then I drove for a local small company uh, here in Henderson. And then as we bought our own company, you know, those times were different. We had uh, pretty much all of the driver pool that we needed. Uh, there were always plenty of drivers available. Uh, they all 
tend to want to just to work and it was it was a different time i think the younger generation is seeing the value of a home work-life balance and and i think in this industry sometimes in the past we thought it's a badge of honors how much have i stayed away from home and how long have i been gone and you know almost would hear guys talk about i didn't get to see my kids or my family my kids grew up in those kind of things so when we begin to look at the younger generation of drivers, I think they're looking at the at their home life balance different than maybe even what we did. They're wanting that time off so that they can participate in the things that they do. One of the things is we were talking about it this week that has changed so much. And actually we have dealt with in our operation just this week is it's the end of school. And at the end of the school year, um, you know, maybe a generation ago we would see you would graduate from kindergarten then maybe you graduate from you know sixth grade or middle school or high school and you have those two things well what we see now is every grade every level has some type of recognition for their kids and might have a second grade graduation the third well all of our drivers uh, or a majority of them that have young kids they want to be a part of that and so it has been a struggle for our load planners just this week to try to, to strike that balance for them where they can see their kids do the things that they do in school. Whereas I don't think maybe the generations ago that would have been as much of a concern. It would have been left. So what we're seeing is that we have to change our attitude toward what home time really is for, uh, for our drivers. And to me, if we have a driver who has a healthy home life balance, if he has a healthy marriage, if he's married or she has a healthy marriage, if they're married, we see that that makes them also a better driver while they're in the truck. And so, you know, the big one is time off. Uh, I think we all, uh, what we've seen at Silver Creek in the last couple of years through the pandemic and the need for drivers is that the tendency is to get a driver we need to throw more money at. And then one day we realized, wow, the guys who pay the most need drivers, the guys that are paying the least need drivers, and the guys in the middle need drivers. So maybe this is not a money thing. Maybe this is something else that we need to do uh, for them. And time off is a big one. So many of our drivers would prefer a Friday or a Monday versus actually more uh, money in their pocket as we saw on that slide you know just making sure my bills are paid is a big big thing that i hear them from and i think that we make a mistake sometimes if we are in, as a company owner or maybe even an owner operator we tend to have a different mindset than a company driver you know a company driver may have a different set of, of object objectives in his life you know he may want to he or she may want to pay their bills and you know, set some back for retirement and thing like that, but they may not necessarily uh, have the same goals as an owner operator or a company operator who may you know want to put as much money back as they possibly can because they want to expand their business or or do something retire early. So I think the big thing is as we look at the younger generation of drivers, we begin to just see what are their needs, and that is almost to each specific driver. When we bring a driver in and we interview them and, and they become a part of Silver Creek, we wanna know what makes them tick. Where do you like to run? What is it that you like to do? What do you expect uh, as in home time? What does the company expect of you? And then we do our best to try to fit those things together. Uh, because one of the 
another of the core values that we have, we want every person in this company to have a purpose. Uh, no one is just a truck driver. We're all uh, moms or dads, sisters, brothers. We all have goals. We all have dreams. And so as a company owner, what can I help a driver do to fulfill their purpose? And we hear that a lot among the younger generation of drivers. They want to be connected to something that makes a difference. You know, I'm just not out driving this truck because, you know, I'm driving it. I want a company that I believe has a purpose, a connection. How, how can I do that? How can I connect with other drivers on the road. And I think it's funny because as we see through the generations, each generation thinks the next generation are slackers. You know, we talked to old men today Well, we all worked hard. You know, we drove trucks with no heat, no air conditioner. You know, we drove them backwards and, you know, all of that you hear at the truck stops and, and the younger generation, you know, there's, and I think it's a great thing, you know, they're not going to understand what it's like to to, you know, to sleep on a board on the back of a truck or something like that. We have the equipment, they have those things, but yet they still want to connect to what maybe their granddad did or their dad did, or, you know, their moms, whatever that was, they want to have that connection, not only with the company, but with the work that they do as well, because there has to be some gain for them to be out on the road all week, because the fact is many of them could make, uh, a good living at home. So why do they want to be out on the road and why do they want to do that? And many of them just want that lifestyle and they want that connection and they want to be able to do that. But then they also see, you know, maybe it wasn't good for the generation before us to be gone all of the time and miss the graduations and miss the birthday parties and how can we be a part of that as well. And I think where we are as an industry, there is enough work of different types that you can pretty much get those things that you want. But I think that when we begin to see our drivers as the lifeblood of our company and we just work together and we communicate as to what each other expects, the thing that I've seen that kills relationships, whether it's our home relationships, relationships with our children, relationships with our shippers, with our brokers, with the people we deliver, and even with our drivers is that we have to navigate those unmet or unrecognized expectations. When I have an expectation of a driver that I've not communicated to him, then when he fails on that, then we have an issue. When he feels like that he has, you know, communicated something to me that he thinks that I should be doing, those unmet expectations will kill relationships no matter where we are. And we see that even with a shipper, maybe a shipper thinks that we're supposed to be doing something that we're not. So it's almost to a place that we want to over communicate with everybody and talk about those things that we want. And we encourage our drivers, if you see something there, if there's something going on in uh, you know, your work and your work-life balance, say something to us and don't just assume, oh, well, the company just wants me to do this or the company would like for me to do that or, in the same way we tell our load planners, don't just assume those drivers can do that because they want, you know, not only that time off so they can be home, the purpose of saying I'm out here doing something either for my family or for my goals or my dreams. You know, I want to connect this, but then also a chance to prove their abilities. You know, I can do this and, and throw me a challenge. And one of the, one of the cool things about, drivers that I see, especially our younger drivers today, 
is that they want to be challenged. You raise the bar, they will uh, come up to it. So many times I think, you know, that old thing holds so many true, you know, that uh, truck drivers through the years might be known to fuss a little bit. I don't know if you guys have ever heard that or might gripe a little bit about things from time to time, you know, but, but what is it that when we hear them, when we hear what they're wanting, when we hear what they're saying, and then we bring that back. And then for me as a company owner, how can I help my team help them? Everybody, everybody wins. And I've noticed because we try to take detailed notes of why did a driver come? Why did they leave? And, and all those things in between, we begin to see that a lot of times those were those unmet expectations that, that somehow that we missed. So we want to give them a chance to prove uh, what they want to do. Uh, as we said, it's not all about money. In fact, we find that most of the time money is often not the driving force of it at all. But uh, it is, you know, something it is, unfortunately, it takes it takes a lot of money to get by these days. So we have that. That's that's a lot of things what's going on. We can move, I guess, to the next slide there. So, you know, we talk a lot about, you know, when you hear this word, it's almost like a buzzword, the culture. What's the company culture? And one of the things that we want to change, that we seek to change at Silver Creek about the culture of the transportation industry is the culture of how can we all come together? How can we work together? And how can we build this industry together? I love the trucking industry. I grew up loving the trucking industry. We love all the things that uh, about the trucking industry. But some of the culture things, how can we change that? How can we change some of the, the things that we all believe that may or may not be myths? And we all know those things that we've heard and we just keep hearing them. And then finally we repeat them and we accept them as true. But, but what is that? You know, um, I think the new age of driver, they don't want to work until they're 75 in a truck, not all of them, you know, and if they do, they want to do that because they want to, not because they have to. So how can we begin to help them have, you know, a retirement plan somehow where the company can match what they're doing, you know, so that way they, as they get older, uh, they don't have to be in that truck till they die. And that's, you know, we've actually seen and known, you know, men and women who, have been that way. And that's not something that, that we want to see. And also, you know, how can I take care of my family health insurance? So that's an important part and an important component of every company to how do I have that uh, in case something happens? We all know that we can do well for long periods of time. And then one, one thing comes along and it can wipe out everything that we worked for, for a certain period of time. And, you know, it feels like we start over again and we definitely don't want to do that. Third thing, the open door policy. And one of the things that I love to hear in a driver is when they will say to us the word we, then I know that they're buying into our culture. You know, we got that load there on time. We, you know, made that happen. We worked with a shipper. And when you hear the word we instead of you or you guys or, you know, something like that, we know that, that they are beginning to accept the culture that we have and, and that they really take initiative in it and they really begin to care. And I think that all begins from the very beginning. We, we do have a policy here. If somebody calls and wants a job here, the very first thing they say is, what do you pay? 
then, you know, we try to redirect that conversation and say, let's make sure that we're a fit for each other before we talk about money. And if they just say, nope, money's it, then, you know, we, we understand they're probably not the driver that, uh, that fits the culture that we have because there's so much more to this, you know, if, even though it is about the money, if money's the only thing that we're chasing, then, you know, they're just going to continue to, to move and to move and to move. And so we're like everybody else. We want to, we want to cut back on what our turnover is. We want people to stay here. We want people to be happy and to be a part of this company uh, from now on and to watch us grow and to look back over the years. So, you know, we do those things to help the culture. Another thing that we do for our drivers is that we try to do for our spouses. The very last thing that we want is, uh, for spouses to be fighting while they're in my truck going down the road. <laughs> and so, you know, if we can have things that they can take advantage of all year, such as we, we provide a lot of uh, educational opportunities for them to be able to, uh, maybe it's something they wanna learn about their finances. Maybe it's something they wanna learn about how to have a better relationship. We do that inside of our company for them so they can take advantage of it on their off time. You know, one of the things that I learned early on was that a driver has something that I don't have, and that's time. And they have time and they have a lot of time. And, you know, when I tell our load planners that, you know, when you give them a load, you go on and you're working on something else, but that driver has a job to get that load there safely, and they have may have eight or 10 hours in a day to think about everything that you said to them. They may think about everything they have and they think, and sometimes, you know, that's a great time to be able to give them, uh, uh, as Adam said, the technology, maybe podcast things they can listen to while they go down the road to better themselves and to help themselves. And, you know, if we can incentivize that for them, then, you know, at the end of the day, they become not only a better driver, they're, you know, a better husband, wife, family, person and, and hopefully, you know, a benefit for our company as well. Uh, and then the last thing I see that they want is uh, people love doing what they love to do. And I know that's kind of just a weird thing, but, you know, we have drivers that love to do certain types of freight. If we can hook them in a groove and get them into that freight, the things that they like to do, uh, we just see that it helps our company flourish tenfold because it takes the pressure off the load planners. It takes the pressure off the safety people because they're doing things they like to do. They're doing things they're comfortable with. Uh, they begin to know, you know, we think that we, we call it the driver friendly freight because then they know I can leave at this time on Sunday night or I can leave on Monday morning. I know that I'm going to stop at these certain places. I know these are the places I can find for parking. I know these, you know, they begin to build a relationship with the shippers and the receivers. And so that is going to help them have more home time because then they can plan what they do. And so as much as we possibly can, we do want to help them try to fit into the place where they, they love to be and do the runs that, that they love to do. Because the big thing that we've seen if you're a truck driver, you're nomadic in nature. You really want somebody to give you a job and leave you alone and let you do it. And the uh, with all the regulations that we're bound under and all the things that are in the trucks these days, that's more and more of a difficult uh, thing that can happen 
But we see as much as we can just turn those folks loose and let them do what they do and let them do it uh, in the way they know how to do it and do it safely, then it just seems to work better for all of us. So uh, I think the very thing of all of that starts with just the conversation when they come to the company, what are you expecting? You know, this is what we need as a company. This is how we operate and can we work together? And it's okay, I think, to uh, tell, you know, a driver or a driver to tell the company, hey, you know, you have good equipment, you have this or that, but the culture is just not what I'm looking for. This is not the job that I'm looking for. And I'm wanting that. Those things, I think so many times we're under the pressure to fill that truck, fill that seat, fill that seat, fill that seat. And then when we fill that with either, uh, you know, when, a, when we bring in a driver that's not a fit for us or we're not a fit for them, then it causes more uh, issues for us than, than we solve. And so, uh, as Adam said, it's a lot easier to get drivers when we don't need them and freight when we don't need them and those things. But um, that, that's a balance in and of itself is just to be honest. I think it's a, a, a culture of integrity just to say this is what we're going to expect and they tell us what we expect and when it's a match, it's a match. Basically, Todd's like what when you and I first began to talk, we had, I think, nine trucks at, at one time. And the very first thing I did was hired a full-time safety director. And, and of course, all of my friends, everybody in the industry is like, are you crazy? Why would you have a full-time safety director with nine trucks? And I said, well, because when we get to 30, 40, 50 trucks, I want that person to be up to speed. And so one of the things, especially in a tight market and a tight margins, you know, we begin to look and see where can we cut and what can we do? And some of the things we just can't, uh, we can't compromise on, you know, our safety office, those things need to be there. Our shop people, we need to invest in them and make sure our trucks are maintained and, and those, those type of things. But also our, you know, as things tighten up the market, as an owner, it's my automatic nature to go, okay, we got to pull in, we got to pull in, you know, don't spend money where you don't have to try to get those guys, you know, more loads. But sometimes we just need to realize that, hey, it doesn't matter if we're talking today about trucking, if we're talking about the car business, if we're talking, no matter what business we're in, ultimately we're in the people business. And so, you know, it's still about our people. And we have to realize, hey, you know, if inflation's up, they're struggling at home, you know, we're struggling to keep food on the table and those kind of things. It's the same way in a, in a company. We want to keep the main thing, the main thing, and not uh, get too thin in the back office or in our shop and keep those guys going as well. So if you're going to be a company owner uh, operator, the, the, and these are just some things that I've found myself, you know, this company has to be able to operate without me here. If not, then I'm just working my own job. You know, are we delegating things to people and then letting them do it? You know, do I train my load planners the way that we want to do it and then turn them loose to do their thing? You know, does my safety person have the authority to do the things that she needs to do to be able to be successful? You know, the shop, uh, I think we give all those folks the parameters, just like we do our drivers, and we have to be able to trust them. Now, is it always gonna work the way that maybe I would do it? Probably not, but that's when we come back. And I think we, at Silver Creek, we have regular uh, uh, staff meetings and those things, and then we're able to address, okay, what did we do right? What did we do wrong? You know, Train those folks, delegate it, 
and let them go. And then I think as a small fleet owner, I had to realize that my job is not what it was as a driver. You know, uh, no longer am I out day to day making the customers, flipping rocks, doing the contacts. You know, I spent a lot more of my days doing administrative things. And so I realized that I could work 24 seven myself, but I want to go home too. And I need that home life balance in my life. And I think that we can spend, especially as an owner operator, because you're doing, especially a small owner operator, you're doing the maintenance, you're doing the driving, you're doing the book work, you know, delegate some of those things out. It may be worth paying somebody a few hundred bucks to do something for you that maybe you could do, but it gives you time to be home with your family. And, you know, not every emergency is your emergency, you know, prioritize what's going on and the big things go home. You know, you got you can get another job, you can't get another family. And uh, so those things are very important to realize, you know, what do I need to let go of and what do I need to delegate and what what takes priority in my day? Wanted to uh, thank thank both you, Adam and Jason, for running through that with us. First up, I, I had, this is one that I've gotten from a, a few people here um, just uh, before we got on on the on the live q a but it has to do with uh just the, the nature of the of, of the market now and both of you guys touched on some of this already um it's a stressful time uh if particularly for independent owner operators out there looking for loads to so say to get back home uh getting offers of uh, you know as low as i've heard uh, recently a dollar ten dollar twenty a mile and you know it's you know the, the pressure's on a lot of people i think to just run i don't know how do you deal with the stress that comes with that and kind of not getting overwhelmed by like the, the the market conditions that you really can't control uh in a lot of ways what what are some of the tips there that um for dealing with those kinds of things man man if i if i could take the beginning part of that and it's just like what i i say all the time man you got to control what you can control and you know it's just like you know for fuel for instance you know we got we got two ways of controlling fuel you control it at the pedal and you control it at the, the, the station that you select. You can't control what they put on a sign. So what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna focus on what the two things that I can control. I can control where I'm gonna select my fuel and I can control how much pressure I'm putting on my right pedal. Those are the things that you can do to kind of lower that because you know we can all get riled up about the things that we can't control. I can sit up here and, and talk about rates all day long, but it's not gonna move the needle one way or the other. I gotta focus on the part of the business within my business that is gonna move the needle. And the thing that most people don't realize is that within your business, if I go in and I go into your break-even point analysis and we do our, our, our financials, if I just focus on two lines, which is MPGs and overall price per gallon, I can change, I can change your financial outlook by thousands, if not ten thousands on, on, on your units, because you got to focus on the things that you can control. You know, Jason brought up a, a point about, you know, there's some things that you got to cut out. Yeah, you got to cut out sometime. You know, we got may, may not be able to eat steaks every night. Might have to pack peanut butter and jelly every now and then. But you got to do what you got to do, and you got to control what you can control. Now, I'm not going to say this. I'm not going to say by doing that, it's going to make it's going to make things better. It's going to make anything less stressful. But I'd rather worry about the things that I can control. If I got my hands on something and I got 100% control of it, and you give me the ability to do that, I feel a whole lot better about about the results of it than if I had zero control over it at all. So, you know, and, and tied to that question, it's simple for me. Control what I can control. But then a lot of people don't realize because of the noise and the negative Nancy's and what everybody else is talking about. Everybody's talking about rates right now. 
right, I get it. I got the t-shirt. We've heard enough. Let's do so. Can we talk about something different? Let's talk about something different right now. And I think that when you put yourself on an island and focus on the business side on and focus on the dynamics of the things that you can control on your own, it'll help alleviate a lot of that stuff because then you'll start seeing things within your own inefficiencies. Like, dang, yeah, man, I, I wish I knew this two months ago because if I was doing this two months ago, I probably would have saved X as a vote, as opposed to me just banging the doors down, trying to worry about what rates are doing or what fuel prices is going and things that I have zero control over. And I don't care what protests that you want to be involved in, none of that's going to change anything right now. But one thing that you can protest is you can protest how you run in your business. You can protest being that operator over your business. You can protest your day-to-day -day, uh, policies and in your processes to ensure you're doing the right things that can help move your business forward. When when things are going great, not, nothing cures nothing cures bad business like you know sales, profitable sales. So when things are really good, and if we didn't take the time to learn the reason why things were really good, then when they get bad, we need to take that time to learn those. I think the times that I get nervous in my business are the times when I don't know exactly what I should do. So if I realized that somewhere in my career, I needed to learn how to read a balance sheet, I need to learn how, you know, my depreciation works, I, you know, I need to learn how to budget, then those things, when someone comes to me and says, can you haul this load? Then I don't just guess and go, oh, well, the market stinks, it's $1.50, so I guess I better do something, you know, I have the tools, I've already invested in the tools to go, okay, I know I have to do this. I, this is what it takes to cover my expenses and I either can or I can't. But then I make a decision from a place of power, just exactly like what Adam said. I, I come from a place of knowledge instead of just guessing, well, that's a buck 50, I guess I can do it. You know, I will know, hey, I either can or I can't, but then do I make the decision? Do I want to do it to, you know, either keep a customer? Do I want to do it just so I don't lose more? Those things, but try to make all of your decisions coming from a place of knowledge. And that only comes with learning what you don't know, because what you don't know, you don't know. In some ways, uh, times like these become opportunities uh, to improve um, when it comes to just basic business, but also, um, cementing the the personal relationships that you have jason you i think it was you uh, that that said and this is a notion that's been offered to me recently that when you find folks that have really good personal relationships turns out they're going to be really good uh, business relationship wise as well um yes. it's a chicken and egg question there maybe but um you know how do the two dovetail and um i don't know what, what comes first <laughs> right right yeah well you know you have those it's like we say here at Silver Creek, we, we love to do business with people we love to do business with. So, uh, you know, we our best relationships are those that we've made that, you know, that we outline the expectations and, and had those things in advance. And, you know, so when we look, you know, I have to realize in my life, I have a certain set of skills. And then if I hire an accountant, they have a different set of skills and our personality pretty, you know, not, I love my accountant friends, but their personality is nothing like mine, you know? And so, but I realized those are the personalities I need for that, for that position. Maybe the same with safety or it might be, you know, there may be things where I can see the big picture and I need somebody on my team to come together and put the details together. And so that's where all the relationships about, we may have, we may have some driving positions that don't take as much detail as others. So, 
you know, you put the wrong folks in those seats and it can cause you a lot of frustration. But at the same time, uh, you know, when you get the right personalities in the right places, it's, it's, it, it makes the magic happen. Adam, you, I know you work with a lot of folks um, that are uh, independents and, and sort of with the goal of moving into being small fleet owners themselves. And, you know, you, you, sp- you also spoke to this, that, that, uh, that practice that comes with uh, developing those uh, personal skills, getting on the phone, making those calls to direct shippers. We got a question here from the audience that asked a little bit about that and how, how you know, in, in the drive to do that, to secure that direct customer, to to help build uh, those lanes that get you back home, to, 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 to deliver on that work-life balance goal. How do you avoid, I, I know there's a lot of people in the audience that, uh, or a lot of people out there that in the drive to do that might uh, have have a tendency to overcommit themselves uh, to a particular customer. How the question was, um, you know, ways. How do you avoid doing that? Um, that you know, overcommitment with a with a direct customer that you get to a point where you're running yourself ragged. I guess all business ain't good business, and a lot of times what you want to do is you feel compelled when you land that first that first opportunity. You feel compelled to throw the entire farm at them, and what happens is is that you overpromise and you underdeliver. And you never want to get it to put yourself in that perspective. One of the things I'm a very, very big proponent about, and I'm very clear as a business owner, period, is I set clear expectations in the beginning. And if I can't meet that, or if those expectations that we lay out there doesn't align with my business alignment, then it's just not a fit. It doesn't mean that we can't go down the road, you know, two, three years down the road and revisit it again. But at this point and where we're at right now, that's not going to fit our model. For example, if you know you're if you're not a you're not big on, you know, 100 percent you know driver assist, don't focus on those situations where you're going to position yourself into that where that shipper might be needing driver assist. And then you've got a committal kind of like a 50 50 committal to be able to do that. Don't commit to stuff like that. Just move on to the next shipper and you move on to the next opportunity, because the worst thing that you can do in any business is to overpromise, underdeliver with that particular relationship because it's just like bad service anywhere else. All it takes is that one bad experience and folks talk. So you may have committed a bad experience with this particular shipper, but guess what? Those things can kind of resonate throughout the throughout the industry that, that, that you're trying to put yourself influence into. The thing that I, I always say is that, you know, you want to be honest with yourself and your offerings and you got to be able to be able to articulate exactly what those are. And then when you're having those conversations, when you're finalizing that agreement with that shipper or you finalizing that agreement, make sure you go back over and make sure you're really, really clear on expectations. And it's OK to say, OK, listen, all right, Todd, I just want to run this path one more time so we can make sure from A to Z, from from doc to doc, that I'm clear on what we're going to be doing. And if there's anything that comes down within that that's a little muddy, make sure you back up and punt and then reevaluate that particular situation. But there's opportunities like that all the time. And. I can tell you just to land business, sometimes you go outside of the box that you normally would be in outside of. And I get it. There's sometimes you might be able to give a little, but at the same time, you got to expect the same as well. It's all about negotiation. And sometimes with a shipper, you might have to expect a little bit more in area. Maybe it's, hey, you know what? I need to make sure that when I'm FCFS, when you see a Silver, a silver Creek truck, let's just say everything stops. So that way we can go ahead and we can get in and get out. But those are the things that you got to establish in the beginning. And then after that first week or so, those first two, two weeks or so that you're working with that customer, reevaluate that relationship, make things sure that things are going the way that they're supposed to. It's okay to survey, to find out exactly the things that land in the way they're supposed to land. And in those first 30 days, you want to make sure you continue to keep that touch point hot. So that way you'll know if there's any inaccuracies in what you agreed upon 
you guys can go ahead and correct it at that point. Yeah. Have you have you found yourself in those kinds of situations, Jason? Um, I have, and you do. And he's exactly right. You you tend to go in going, oh yeah, we can do whatever we need to do, and we do that. And when you give them the expectation that they're just going to do everything that I ask, you know. Uh, and I think you do have to be careful of the things you say. If a customer comes and says, can you give us a truck every day? Well, yeah, I'll give you a truck every day. But then you don't define exactly what that means. There again, that's one of those unmet expectations. They may understand that different than what you're understanding that. Right. And so, you know, just to be clear and, and realize that, you know, especially as you grow your company, if you, uh, if you're going to try to get more than one, two, three, four, five trucks is to realize, you know, what, what are the things that I'm leaving on the table? You know, what are the things that I can provide that someone else can't, but yet I don't, you know, for your service, your time, those things that you provide are worth something. And so you have to realize that they're going to pay that service and, you know, that relationship's going to work, but you do have to set, those boundaries very clear or you know people will think they'll expect things that you didn't necessarily communicate well we're getting past the two o'clock hour here that was our scheduled time to end but um, i wanted to give you guys an opportunity to give us some final thoughts we do have uh, we do have some questions that kind of touch on training any thoughts on on uh, training uh, the office staff there, Jason, and and also um, I know Adam, you talked a little bit about um, physical health, uh, mental health, maintenance of that. Um, I was curious to hear uh, uh, from you anything else you might have to add on that as well, if you want to put that in your final thoughts. But let's go ahead and each of you give us some give us some final thoughts, um, and we'll we'll start to wrap it up here. So I'll take the, uh, the the physical health and the mental health thing. It's very important. And there are resources that are available out there. I mean, Google is your biggest friend. I mean, you could, there is a service for everything out there. And what inspired me to really kind of open my eyes to that is when I saw this business that was in my neighborhood that was uh, like a, a, a dog poop, and poop scooping service that I was like, wow. <laughs> There's, there's a business out there for everything. So if you think about that as an independent owned operator, there's a business out there that's going to provide you with the retirement plans if one doesn't. Some will, some won't. So what next? Keep driving to keep finding those solutions to help you get exactly what you need. And then most importantly, man, just stay healthy. You know, I, I really look at some of the alternatives and these options out there that are available. Those things are not 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 one of those things that are beneficial to, to us as as a trucking community, whether you're a driver, owner, operator, even when, you know, even even beyond that. But stay healthy. Use the resources out there that are available. There's so many different retirement plans that are out there, you know, just like, you know, Jason hit on just the fact that, you know, everything's going great when it's great, but all it takes is that one thing. And then all of a sudden you got to start back over again. So when you think about those retirement plans, man, you always got to put something to the side, find a, a resource that allow you to do that and don't stop at the word. No, no. Jason. Yeah. I think when the speaking to you speak to my heart, when we talk about training, because I love to train our people. I love for them to grow. And there are, just as Adam said, tons of things. And we use a lot of resources. We do, uh, we're actually kicking off a new training module for our fleet manager for safety, for, uh, you know, and for our maintenance guys. And, and we take advantage of everything that we can as far, you know, uh, maintenance wise, say some of our local vendors will provide workshops. They'll have, you know, 
OEMs come in and how better to, to service or those things. Take advantage of every bit of that. Uh, there are a lot of resources. If somebody wants to shoot an email, I can share with them what we know, but you know, how to be a better fleet yeah. planner, how to be a better dispatcher, how to be a better, you know, in accounting, you know, how to read a balance sheet, you know, those those things that when we, you know, many of us get in this business because we love trucks and, you know, we we just need to learn them and it's not, I think we need to learn every day, so. Here's a big thanks to Jason Cowan and Adam Wingfield for the talk. Find both men at the websites for their outfits, Cowan's Silver Creek Transportation and Adam Wingfield's Innovative Logistics Group. I'll post links to each of the show notes and you get over to the YouTube page for the full video version of the presentation when it posts Monday, June 19th, there you'll see their direct contacts in part of the presentation. Overdrive Radio is a production of Overdrive, the voice of the American trucker. It's edited and produced by me, Todd Doze, with the acoustic guitar and other support of trucker songwriter Long Haul Paul Marhofer. The theme is Legend of the Snake Man by Marhofer, featuring the guitar work of Travis, the Snake Man himself, Wemmick, Terry Two Socks Richardson on bass, keys by Tisha Mingo, Jim Whitehead, and on drums, Andrew Marshall. The podcast is backed up further by Overdrive's own newsletter, Matt Cole, Social media coordinator Holly Young, executive editor Alex Lockie, video editors Lawson Rudisil, and Mr. Andrew Quinn.